it's so it's so um healing to have these stories right i mean it's like when, when sometimes when we get lost or when we touch upon these parts of our history then it becomes so good to have have these stories align through you know maybe trauma or kind of revealing ancestral patterns whatever mm -hmm. you know comes up yeah i totally get that I'm Alexandra Kreis, and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. Welcome to Outer Travel in a Journey. On my show today, I have Sean Float. I practice this a long time, dear listener, because I would call him Sean Float. We're laughing already here. So hello and welcome, Sean. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm so glad you made the time. We, you tried so much to kind of direct other souls already into the show. And I'm so glad you kind of dared your step forward. For those who don't know Sean, Sean lives in the U.S. in Southern Oregon. And he is a practitioner of mobility and movement. So he runs a clinical practice uh, where, which is called Moving into Harmony. And you do a lot of physical work, hands-on work um, that heals interconnect or connective tissue. And we're going to come down to what that means to you personally in a second. And, and further out, as we're all trapped in this COVID for longer than thought, um, of course, you've kind of leaned out into um, the greater public with the nicest idea ever, because where else can we go than just out, out, out into the wilderness? And so you're also forming a second um, branch of what you do um, called a well-explored life. Uh, it's about yeah. hiking and more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually including a little Ayurveda in it. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hikers are known not to eat well, you know, during a 20-day adventure. So I'm really trying to like, look, you can do these things. <laughs> mm, you got me right there. <laughs> What can we do? Let's get started. Right. right. <laughs> mm, well, Maybe you want to introduce a yourself a little bit. How did you come to be a hands-on kind of therapist, as you call yourself, working with trauma? Here we go again, listeners. I think it's a good subject for us to listen to over and over again from all points of view. So, Sean, will yeah. you kind of tell us your story, please? Yeah. I mean, I, I think actually it started as a teenager in sports and not really... Um, performing well and so I was going to a physical therapist to help with my shin splints mm -hmm. and got very intrigued about moving into that realm of service but really the the shift from sort of what I was taught in graduate school 
didn't seem to feel right. And I started exploring other things, but I, you know, I was dabbling. I was a young PT and mm. but I was also a semi-professional triathlete. So I was actually getting paid um, oh. to race. Oh, wow. And um, I was training for an Ironman and uh, you had to qualify to get there. So I was going to go up to Canada and qualify and uh, about two and a half, three months before that, I hit a dog on a training ride going about, oh, about 20 miles an hour, mm-hmm. straight on, just bang, and yeah. it landed straight on my head. That was the first thing that hit the ground. Wow. And, um, you know, knowing what I knew, I did a little bit of help. I got some cranial sacral. Um, I competed but I didn't do well I didn't I didn't end up uh, qualifying but I started to notice my body it started physiologically like in the race I actually couldn't finish on a high note because I was like not processing the uh, sugars and the salts and everything and I was I was getting into that delirium state and Hmm. that was a first for me and um, so that was the first time was actually I was thinking about this like it wasn't a physical thing. It was the physiological. I couldn't match my physiology to the physical performance that I was trying to do. But I didn't know, right? You just don't know what's happening. You do the best you can. And I continued to cascade. Um, I developed foot pain, migraines. I had a severe back injury that took me out of work. I was working at a hospital at the time. And mm no one could really help. I was, it was a very significant, quick, like it happened, like the dominoes just went. Wow. In what, what time span are we talking? I mean, how old were you? What time span are we talking? That was 1996. So Hmm. I'm 52. So that was, yeah. 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And so that, Mm -hmm. you know, like it took me out of work. It took me out of being physically proud. My relationship went to pot, you know, everything just sort of started, you know, and I was in that first 26, 27 years, right. It first sort of like, um, but I just wasn't getting the help that I needed and it kept getting worse. And so I'd heard a name, you know, how we (laughs) hear these whispers um, of this gentleman, Frank Lowen. And he was in the organization that I was beginning to dabble in the outside the realm of PT. And um, they were doing these intenses in Albuquerque, like 40 tables, people significantly not well, significant disease processes. And you showed up and you got intense body work done. And the woman was trying to help me. She was one of the students, the advanced students. And this gentleman with this gold pompadour hair, he was about, you know, he's like five, six kind of comes up and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, I can't seem to do what, you know, I'm supposed to be doing or what I feel I should be doing. He's like, huh? So he had me stand up. I could barely bend to touch my hands to my knees. I had so much pain. Hmm. And he said, okay, he gets me back down on the table and he literally put his hand on my sacrum. I was on my belly and the force was like, maybe like this, it was not hard. It wasn't a manipulation. Mm. Yeah. It was very soft and I could feel my whole system just open up. Mm. And he had me stand back up and I went right to the floor. Wow. In one subtle little movement. 
And what kind of technique was that? Do you know from then? Yeah, I mean, later. So, mm. you know, I said, was that Frank? And she's like, yeah, you got lucky. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. Definitely got lucky. And that's, you know, that drove me to study with him. But what I later found out, it took me a few years to, you know, really kind of come up with the, you know, the, the bravery to ask him mm. uh, is it, they, what happens when force comes through our bodies is it physiologically can change things on axis. So it's not, mm. a, you won't see it on an image. Like mm. you just won't see something off, but physiologically the way the blood and the fluids take in that force, you know, like force moves through water. And if something's there, it's going to either go around it or break through it. And he said, you had a descended sacrum. And so what that meant was the force that came through my head came down through my sacrum, which is where I held all my tension. So that wasn't yes. fluid through there. And it lodged a physiological off axis. So I basically had a tethered cord. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's like it's tethered yeah. as it yeah. went down here. Yeah. And stuck. It didn't return. Yeah. And so that's what alleviated that. And so I began, I mean, it's interesting because it just opened up my vision to how people, how forces come into the body. Mm -hmm. I think I, I, I see a lot of people clinically who that attraction, oh yeah, you've had a whiplash, you know, the, the hit from behind. Well, if you hit something in front, there's a force, but then it's the seatbelt that throws you back. Yeah. That's a, that's also a ascended, descended phenomenon. Mm. And yeah. these things aren't picked up on imagery. What it ends up being is someone comes in with severe pain um, many months later because the body just can't adapt anymore. And do we all carry this? Um, I mean, I'm immediately being thrown back. I had an incident as a 14-year-old. You know, I got thrown very far across um, the street. You know, I was on a bike. I got hit by a car. And I oh. ended up on the other side of the road, which is, you know, to me, is, must have been quite a push by the car. Uh, I, I don't remember a thing of that. You know, not like you, you know, rolling actively. I was just, you know, waking up back in the hospital. But um, I, I then wonder, you know, do I carry these things in me and don't know about them? Or do they not always show like that? Or does the body kind of know how to remedy itself? What's, you know, you, because you've been studying this now for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, this, the way Frank always coached us was that symptoms, pain, symptoms, disease don't show up until the body can't adapt anymore. Mm. So my guess is with all the other things that you do for your well-being, because the, the facets of our well-being aren't just physical or just diet, you know, there's so many other realms that help to support us that I think you're doing well. It, but it, who knows if it's under the surface that if you had another significant impact or you had a severe another traumatic event in your life, or you go through a severe grieving process, if that mm. inability to adapt to that physiological offset mm. or physical, right. Mm. Um, can't be, can't be adapted to anymore. So, mm. um, and that's really what the, the, the idea with hands-on work for me is I'm just giving back the, the person and their body options. 
Wow. And then it's up to them through movement. I love the yoga mm. to, to implement and integrate those new options. I see what you mean. But what I haven't heard you say is what's the technique called? called oh, you know? I'm sorry. So he can't, I'm sorry. So the, it started out as a dynamic manual interface and he, yes. he's gone through different iterations of trying to um, name it. So mm -hmm. it's basically low-end systems now. Low-end systems? Low-end, L-O-W-E-N ah. systems. Mm -hmm. And I understand that he's focusing, he's pretty, he's up there. He's the same age as Shandor. Ah. Uh, he's 79, 80. And um, he's been focusing on a school in Europe uh, for the osteopaths. He, he, He feels that the osteopaths, which is some of his story, he came, yeah. Jean-Pierre Barral was his main oh. instructor, who's the French oh. osteopath for the visceral manipulation. So you can see where this kind of starts to tie in. Yeah, um, we amazing, right? Yeah, so there may be some osteopaths that are studying with him in Europe. Wow. And so I can find out. Hmm. So, and this low-end technique, is the, does he only teach that to people who are already in the healing field through manual therapy or? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, mm. he, he always had that sort of filter that um, you got to have a license to touch because mm. of the, what we're actually working with physiologically. You have to have an understanding of body physiology. You know, he always, he always challenged me to what I, when I put my hand on the body, what am I in contact with? And so that three-dimensional mm. engagement of, you know, knowing what I'm on mm. um, was, was challenging, but it was also easy for me because I was very left-brained for a long time. Yeah. Um, but then the right brain kicked in. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah, it's more low in systems is the, yeah more recent name that people might find or to ask mm. any osteopaths in Europe um, that have yes. studied with Frank Lowen. Or in the U.S. because I do have- Or in the U.S. <laughs> it's a small group. It's a, it's a small group. It's, it's just yeah. breaks oh, apart wow. that, that oh, this wow. didn't really like take off. Mm. Um, but it does require very relaxed focus, less doing, more listening. You know, it, it It's kind of the old osteopathic way in Europe where you had an hour to assess somebody and you were given mm. one manipulation to, for your test. So it's, it's amazing, right? You know, I mean, we're coming back to this time thing. You know, we talked about it a little bit. I know that some people are always curious what I talk about with my guests before the show, but we talked about, of course, the pandemic and being stuck. And, but also... To me, another sign of the pandemic is the slowing down, you know, that sense of overwhelm that we have through busy lives. You know, a sentence that I learned in English in Ireland is, was, you know, give a busy woman a job because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like that. It gets done. It simply gets done and it gets done because you're rolling, you're rolling, you're rolling. And uh, little do we know how hard we've been rolling through throughout the last, last century, you know, and how fast we've gone and what you're talking about is the return of the slow. And everybody's in need of that, all these movements of slow, you know, food and slow 
I hear it more and more, and now you're coming yeah. with your version of it. Um, what, what do you love about the work the most, thinking about it now? You know, that I actually get to practice presence and, and actually be with somebody. I'm not on an agenda. You know, I have a plan to be the best at what I can do, but where that takes me with a person in their predicament It mm -hmm. really comes out of my ability to listen both here, here, and here. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's an intimate setting when you're in person. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of just that, that someone feels like they're being contacted, they're being heard. Yeah. And the body knows it. The body knows it more than the mind. And do we need the physical hands on there, Sean? Or can we live without it? If it's really a matter of being with somebody who highly sensitively listens to you, is it necessary to have that shift work through? Because it's not a, a real manipulation what he does, right? If you say it sounded almost like Reiki to me when you're saying like he wasn't. No, no, it's not Reiki. Not it's, Reiki. It is more physiological. Uh huh. So the rhythm is felt. Like people do feel the shifts. Reiki uh -huh. is a little a different ether of of engagement no this is the people do notice and and it is the the movements are asymmetrical mm -hmm. so it relates to our functional movement mm -hmm. and that's what i love about this where craniosacral is what we call a symmetrical both sides move the same in frank's work it's very much asymmetrical just like we walk just yeah. like we carry our normal activity and so i can match what someone does in their lives and feel these physiological or, you know, overuse, like they are always right-handed doing their mm -hmm. work that plays out in the lower leg. And so mm. the, it's very real, it's very tangible um, and very effective because I'm not, I'm engaging with a circulatory rhythm that the body wants to find some balance. And that's mm. why I named my business moving into harmony was because I'm looking for that set of balance, not that you're balanced, you know, but the body is balanced in a way that you can function. And mm -hmm. so back to your question, you know, for years I just relied on my hands and people I didn't feel were integrating. They would come back with very similar patterns with me actually guiding them in a movement way or getting them to think about movement differently in normal life, just sitting up and down out of a chair, mm -hmm. right? But how, how someone squats can really change a lot mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just squatting the chair. You tell them squat and they're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you say, well, you squat down on the chair. Let's just do that. Right. <laughs> so I really feel that movement is a key. And it's, I think a lot of people can get a lot of benefit out of guided movement. Um, And then when there's something stuck that just there's something that can't get through, then the hands-on guidance to shift something is is nice. I love it. Yeah, it's um, it's one of these things that I also feel is coming up in our times. We've been so self-made. I mean, at least around in Germany, we're known for being, you know, like self-made humans. And what I always, you know, had and not so much a great love for is that they, they, they are so DIY here. And I loved, you know, like I love the service attitude in Ireland and in the US. You know? 
And to me, it's not an attitude of service, but um, it shows just one main thing that we keep forgetting as we get more individual, that we kind of belong to each other, that we are dependent on each other. And that's what I hear you saying, you know, it, it, it's no harm in if you can't do your movement correctly, if there, if you need assistance in shifting, whatever has lodged itself in your body, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that, you know, to me, Alex, it comes in so many realms. Like I get people that usually I see because they haven't gotten what they wanted out of other physical therapists or other chiropractors. And I just have to say to them that anybody that, that is helping you to facilitate some change is creating a space, mm. is creating some options. Mm. And it's up to you then to understand how to go back into your regular life. And how do you, how can you work with those new options and where can you become aware of when you start to bind? Mm. And so, I really feel that that's been a relatively new part of my evolution as a practitioner to, to coach everyday life rather than an exercise program. Yeah. Um, and this is why you came up with this uh, new, I mean, one way was because of the pandemic, but was that something that was on the horizon anyway, your new branch, um, a well-explored life or what's the idea? Yeah. I'm a, I love adventure. I mean, as a kid, I, you know, as I started to kind of look at this, I, you know, my mom and dad took us up out of Phoenix to the mountains of the Mugion two hour drive. And we mm. were in nature almost every weekend. Wow. Nice. I know. I was just like, to have that gift was amazing. And so that just, that just drove me more and more to be out and explore nature and yeah. PT school. We, it was a three-year program, so we weren't force-fed. And I had a, I had a good friend, and her and I would just, we'd go, we were in Flagstaff, so we'd go up into the reservation, we'd go to Lake Powell, we'd go to the Canyonlands. Yeah. You know, like, it was part of just being in school. And so I think that we want to be in so much in touch with nature. And, you know, back mm. to the, the concept of, nature and life it's like I just felt like I love I can speak to these people you know I can relate to them yeah and then just to bring in these concepts of do you want to enjoy being on the trail or are you just trying to survive <laughs> and that was the basis for that was really how can we how can someone really thrive and enjoy this time that is given to them right I've been communicating with a lot of the John Muir trail people. It's a 20 day, 21 day, 250 mile journey through the high Sierras. Yeah. And, you know, you have to get a permit from a lottery that is very difficult. Mm. And so that, you know, even that is a, is a gift. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you want to be with that gift? Cause everyone's focused on the lightest gear and, only want to have 25 pounds in their pack. I'm like, well, who's carrying the pack? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of the, that was the basis for that is to try and capture those that are interested in actually, hmm. you know, being with their bodies. Yeah. It's, it's, 
is that something that you notice as well you know like being with your body is not the most favorable thing in our lifetime you know from the generation we both seem to come yeah yeah it's it's um i think there's been so much culturized and familiarized emphasis on intellect yeah you and, said that uh, earlier you're left brainy you know and i think i was almost trained into you know using my brain more you know like uh, these these circumstances where you get you know something in school like you know nobody likes you because you don't think you know you don't think right hard enough. you're like what right. you know like right. i'm super sensitive and just the pressure you know? yeah it's a pressure right mm. yeah, yeah. And, i mean i Frank would say like, you got to learn to feel Sean. And then Shandor repeated that, you know, later. And it just mm. kept repeating itself that yeah. you need to learn to feel it. It's, that's so hard. What was your key point where you think like you made a um, shift into feeling more? It was really being introduced to the shadow yoga. Mm. Mm. I mean, when, you know, through Scott Blossom and Matt Bassindian and then when I met Shandor and, you know, the whispers were there the whole time, but it wasn't Shandor just finally said, you need to let go of, the, of what you know about the body. If you want to move into this physiological bioenergetic realm of how the body actually um, is interconnected. And that was hard. That was mm. really, really hard to like, mm. take all that knowledge and just go, <laughs> yeah and uh, okay okay yeah and now it's the breath with patrick mccowan is like that's even another layer of i mean i i i'll admit i've been a control of my breath up until this last year wow what I does know. that mean exactly let's hear it i in working with Patrick and understanding kind Good of respiratory. Patrick, can you introduce it to the listeners? Patrick McCohen is the founder of Oxygen Advantage. His new mm -hmm. book's coming out in July in the Americas. I don't know what about your, he's Irish. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a phenomenal gentleman, but um, it's all about the oxygen and how it's delivered off of the blood cell into the tissues. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole phenomenon itself. It's, it's not Wim Hof, it's very different. Um, and so there's a breathing, it's actually from Dr. Buteko and sort of that oh, yeah. wisdom from Ukraine about breath holding. And so yeah. that's where the basis of Patrick's work came from. Um, but it'll be evolving. It's, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And so the whole idea of the breath hold, especially at the end of an exhale, what is that dynamic? And then breathing really light and slow and mm -hmm. low which are the three kind of rhythms that he speaks of. Yeah. I, I will say I've been a constrictor thinking yeah. that I really wanted, I don't know, drive the breath down. But when I go to that light where I don't even perceive the breath in mm -hmm. my hand. Yes. It has just. Opened up your world. Opened up the world. So I bow, I bow, I bow. <laughs> and what does it feel like? What does it feel like to you? Because we talked about feeling. What is it like to, to shift that perspective? I think many of us don't know what it is not to know the breath. You think like, okay, the breath is there, you know, and 
some of us wouldn't notice if it wasn't maybe for allergies or other things. So maybe yeah. you can go there a little from your perspective and experience. You know, when I, when I first started to work with Patrick, it's, um, it's in that silent, both the, the, the quietude of the breath. And I think that's where I really realized the control piece was I had moved away from the natural rhythm of breathing. And I think that's what you're asking or what I'm mm -hmm. feeling is that we don't really get in touch with that natural rhythm. We don't spend a moment and he says even like five minutes every hour to just pause what you're doing and sit back and feel and he, you know, there's certain guidance principles um, around feeling, but the one is like a three minute test of you have a little piece of paper and mm -hmm. can you feel your inhale come in without pulling? So you're just barely feeling yeah. and barely moving out. And then you feel your low ribs expand mm. and contract. Mm. And can you keep your focus on that for three minutes? Mm. And he really argues against, if we can't even have that relaxed of a focus on our natural breath, how can we do all these other things? And so he's working in realms with children, and yeah. concentration and sleep and quality of of things and so mm. you know it's what i've realized i'm actually sharper i'm more relaxed mm. i'm um i'm more relatable mm. <laughs> you know i can feel when my breath starts to get short when i'm yeah. up against something that is demanding that i'm you know can i meet it a different way so it's mm. it, it it was a big shock for me you know, not to be doing job. it, even though you do all this breath work in the yoga, right? I know, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a big unlearning, you know, like there's so much damage done right now between the Ujjayi and the Udhyanas and the way they are being taught, like totally, as you say, in control and restricted and constricted, um, opposed to what breath is like. I mean, I had to remedy that quite fast because my first yoga style wasn't so much focused on breathing the teacher I studied with and he would well he would do pranayama what he called pranayama you know so that was only always just one day in the week when we did it mm. um, and then when I kind of learned about the ujjayi and the udhyana and nobody taught it to me I kind of made of course you know an ass of myself and taught it myself and <laughs> And then, and then there was the, I can't breathe anymore, you know, in, right, in a practice, right. in a flowing practice, why can I not breathe? And yeah, yeah I came across then very quickly uh, across Puteco, including. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a whole, you know, like I, I did workshops on that. I'm not giving, but I took them and yeah. also some other fabulous breathing work I noticed uh, and books that helped me just to let go of that very as you say you know like determined mindset in yoga you know like achieve it apply discipline apply discipline 
And in some ways you talk about hiking in that way, you know, like the, the way you just, you know, you just have to make your body do this, you know, and even when you were talking about your triathlon yeah. uh, Iron Man stuff, I was thinking like, yeah, well, I would have kind of hold myself up and think like, I have got to do this. Yeah. And until you can't anymore. And this is, why trauma to me is so fabulous it's not shame it's it's actually pushing us into the areas where we're being ignorant and um too much in control yeah yeah and i that you know the breath is so intimately close to that wounding in the traumatic events i mean it's mm. you know it, it to me breath is divine it's it's always available to us just like health is always available to us and where do we begin to sort of like shave the potential or open the door to those things and so i i you know i have found uh bits of a trauma childhood trauma more around abandonment coming yeah. up as I've been working with, um, with the breath. Yeah. And do you find it, um, it's healing then for you? Do you find that these sets of traumas? Yeah. Make yeah. sense. Well, you have to use them that way. I mean, mm. it's all energy that's held mm. or you're not accessing. And so mm. it's just a bound up knot or a, a block or a dense thing that you've closed off around because it was so painful. And so, um, and this is Jennifer Wellwood's work. She's my sort of meditation Raja that has mm -hmm. given me this perspective of we're, we're open when we're born. And then mm -hmm. eventually whatever ends up starting to happen to us that our aperture closes and closes. Yeah. And so we're just reopening that aperture to what's available, yeah. right? And that to me is what spirituality healing is about is just reopening that aperture however it's done without force yeah and that's just life you know what the tantric uh found it's just like this expansion contraction expansion contraction this is how life works you know and yeah. maybe we managed to expand from back into where we came from but then you know maybe not and then there we just kind of keep looking at it there's no wrong, no right in it. Yeah. Mm. I love what you said about that expansion contraction. Mm. That that brought back the the fascial group. Uh, there's a woman, Joanne Ashton, that's all about this. This is what happens as we grow. You know, in the embryo, there's like constant contraction, expansion, contraction, expansion, and then the heart forms. And it's just, you're right. It's it all comes back to that folding in, unfolding, folding in, unfolding. It's just like, wow. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. Very lucky. And that's the left, that's then the right brain to me. You know, that's the right brain. The left brain is on a trajectory. It's like, shiva, uh -huh. you know, and then she comes in. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Happy full moon, by the way. Happy full moon, special pink moon, super moon mm -hmm. today um, yeah. as we are recording. But Sean, as we're coming to a slow end to a beautiful one, I hope, um, is there something that you want to 
tell our listeners maybe a word of advice or maybe something you invite them to just be free to maybe use this moment yeah close with everybody who's listening yeah i i think it comes back to just being with where you're at because you can't i mean we want to be somewhere else we want to be better we want to be healthier there's all these strivings and we lose track of what's presenting itself right here right now i know that's a you know that terms used so much but really it's a practice of okay what's really available to me right now that i can use to get to where i want to go whether it's hiking on a trail or if it's you know making dinner or going on a cleanse or whatever like what what is what are my resources because of if those resources aren't there they're going to come from somewhere else and that costs yeah. and so that's what i'm really you talk about slowing down and you know not striving to get rid of the trauma but be with it be with this body has so much amazing love for you and potential and yeah. the more we can be with it the more the the companionship will support us Beautiful words to this particular full moon where we have to let go <laughs> of things. <laughs> thank, you. Um, thank you. Yeah, and thank you for coming on this show and making extra time and yeah, very insightful. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. And thank you, listeners, for um, joining us again. Yeah, thank you very much. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash alexandrakreis and pledge your donation.